New stories were coming in about this strange virus in Wuhan, China. It was weeks before we saw the first cases in the U.S. As the numbers went up each day, my curiosity got the best of me, and I started plotting the curves. Hear stories from real people all over the world and how they've responded. I'm Sally Hendrick, founder of Shout Your Cause, and this is COVID-19, The World Responds. Thank you for having me, Sally. It's, uh, my name is Donna Brown, and I'm a business and branding synergist. And I really, I work with uh, visionaries and leaders to create businesses that are supportive of their purpose and mission. And um, these are very interesting times. And I'm based in Italy, and I'm based in Milan, which is a hot spot. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the hot spot in Italy at this moment in time. So that kind of put, tells you where I am. I've been here for a very, very long time. Um, yeah. How long have you lived in Milan? I've lived in Italy about 38 years. Wow. I didn't know that long. Yeah. I came as a youngin. Yeah. <laughs> and stayed. Yeah. Nice. So what's the word on the street when you go out? Do you, can you go out and how do you, what do you, what are you doing on a daily basis? So, um, you know, as somebody who lives alone now, um, my life in many ways hasn't changed a lot, but of course the changes are significant, right? Even if there are very few of them, mm -hmm. um, we're not in, at the beginning there was, you could, you know, like go for walks and get physical exercise. And they've, they've basically said no to that. You know, you're not supposed to just, if you have a dog, you can take out your dog and you can go to the grocery store or the pharmacy. And other than that, they want you home. So it's, it's pretty tight and they do give fines and they can take, uh, you know, make criminal charges for those who go out knowing that they're ill and go out anyways. So um, it's very, like they're taking that very seriously here. So things are incredibly quiet, but then there's that weird dichotomy that everybody, you know, we know that it's like this. I mean, people know what it's like in New York as well. So we're all safe in our homes and our homes generally for most people, not for everyone, but for most people are places that represent safety. And so we're in a comfortable environment or at least an environment that we're used to. And, uh, but the front lines must be something like we've never you know, seen before. And those people are living, all the healthcare workers are, are living, you know, desperate times. You know, I've seen the, the, the things in the States about in New York about the, the PPE that the, the healthcare workers don't have more right. than do have. And, you know, we had the same issue at the beginning. It was very similar. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't think people were wearing plastic bags, but they, they had to work 12 hour shifts with no breaks at all because they couldn't, they didn't have a change of clothing for them to go back in. Um, so very, very stressful. Um, you know, it's, um, the numbers here are high, I mean, the States has surpassed us, but the States is also five times larger than Italy. So mm -hmm. in some way that stands to reason, right? So um, are the cases and the deaths mostly coming from your area, you're in the Lombardy region, which also yeah. in includes Parma and Bologna and uh, Milan. It doesn't include Bologna. It doesn't, it doesn't include, include Parma oh, sorry, either. Sorry. So, oh, not Parma either. So, what about no. Modena? 
Modena. No, that's Emilia. You're in Emilia region. Oh, I'm Emilia. sorry. No. I'm sorry. Wrong Emilia region. Wrong. That's okay, further. Sorry. That's further down. That's further so down. So okay. the, the the three cities here that are the most stricken are uh, Milan, Bergamo, and Brescia, which are all you know quite close to each okay. other. Okay. Okay. And um, those two cities are are quite close together. They're not that many kilometers between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And for a while, they were they just sort of Milan. It started with Milan, of course, because it's a big you know, hub, it's a huge yeah. hub in the same way New York's a huge hub. And that's why it just sort of concentrated itself there. And also it's a very large city. So it stands to reason that it had also a lot of chance to sort of gain a foothold. And Bergamo and Brescia also, you know, uh, took over. There's also, there's also a very um, important airport in, in Bergamo as well. So, okay. Um, yeah. And what the about the rest cities. of the country? As I mean, it, it's as... spread out. It's spread out. Uh, you know, there's something everywhere, which is, you know, kind of strange. Like, since you know, people are not supposed to be driving around and seeing each other or whatever, it's, you know, I, there isn't a region that doesn't have somebody, but we represent probably 70% of the cases. I would right. Say. So you're like our New York right now. Yeah. And um, the rest of the country has pockets. And so I've talked to some other friends that I have because, you know, I've been to Italy many times and um, probably 10, 12 times over over the years and spent a lot of time there, especially in the Tuscany region and then also mm -hmm. in Sicilia, in Sicily. Oh, Sicilia is beautiful. Yes. So I lived in Tuscany for a long time and I had a, a farm there for a long time. Nice. Um, but I've been talking with them and they are also heeding the warnings from the government to do what they're supposed to do. And they're staying at home. The kids are at home doing school. And so as far as the, is it an official lockdown for the yes. entire country, including yes. Sicily? Yes. Yes. Okay. Everything. That's what I thought. Cause they said that they were, they were also heeding all of that and that they had seen cases popping up in their areas and so hopefully because they are on lockdown everywhere they won't that you won't have any more hot spots to rise up but with that said are there some other areas that seem to be on the rise in italy um i'm not entirely sure i could actually probably tell you really quickly i'll just double check here um what i, I do want to say something though that and i think this is very much worth keeping in mind. Um, the people who, I'm just going to look at the map here. Not that I can touch. Um, yeah, this, it's, you know, I mean, it, it stands to reason that the cities, it's easier in cities, right, for things to gather. So, of course, you know, Turin has quite a few, Naples has quite, uh, sort of Rome has quite a few. So mm -hmm. if, we, if you look at where they are, they tend to be in places that have, um, you know, a, a denser quarters, population, like, denser, yeah. denser population. Mm -hmm. But what is concerning, and I think this is, as I said, worthy of note for everyone, is that unfortunately, you know, the South is definitely not as affluent as the North, right? And right. this is pretty much typical of most countries, right? Um, and uh, people who have been at home and not being paid and not having access to unemployment insurance as of yet, 
and not, you know, sort of not a lot of help, the tensions are getting very high about the lack of funds to buy food. I mean, we're in, and so there are um, policing quite heavily and they're starting to police quite heavily in places in the South um, just because uh, maybe also for the characteristics of the city itself and, and, you know, that each city has its own sort of qualities and areas, I was going to say neighborhoods, I tried to say them both together. <laughs> but that's, um, you know, that are maybe slightly, you know, rougher. And these people are reacting with anger at their situation. And, you know, anger probably driven through fear, right? They're, they seem, they're afraid and therefore they're angry and therefore they're acting out and trying to go to a grocery store and not pay and, and still get food. Now, Italy has brought out um, for the first time that I know of. I mean, it might have happened or it would probably happen during wartime, right? To have like coupons or rations or something. But now that, which is one thing, but now they're, this is the first time I've ever heard of them having food coupons and they're in, uh, beginning to do that because there are people who have no, no access to food at this point. They have no income and where are they going to, you know, how are they going to procure that income? Either they were paid uh, in black money, sort of off the books, or mm -hmm. they were, you know, seasonal or working by the hour um, you know, with no real um, benefits. So, and this is, this represents a lot of people and that whole sort of population is, is much more at risk, right? There are a lot of, you know, let's say people who come and clean your house quite often will just, you know, come once a week. So you're, you're, you're not actually hiring them. You're paying them by the hour. But once that, that work's gone, you know, what, yeah, what, what do are they, they going to do? What do they eat? What are they going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And here, I think they're not, uh, I think you cannot be evicted, if I've read correctly. It doesn't seem that you can be evicted for non-payment of rent at this time. But again, it, it increased debt load on, on, a, on a population that doesn't have any margins, right? That doesn't have any access to credit, mm -hmm. that, you know, and this puts people in a much more fragile uh, position. So besides so, the food coupons, has Italy released anything like the U.S. has with the stimulus package that was just passed the other day? Uh, um, in different measures, but yes, I mean, way like right, right at the beginning, they put off um, all different kinds of things. Like um, I forget what casa integrazione is in, in English. Uh, when workers, uh, they're not laid off, but they're sort of... Um, Oh, it's not unpaid leave. Like it's furlough? Called... Yeah, something like that. Um, I should look that up. I can't remember. Yeah. Just... Oh, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get but it. When it, there are words that just so, don't translate exactly and you're not really sure. Well, it's just because I never have to talk about it in English, so it never yeah. it never occurs to me. Um, they have, you know, they're having trouble getting through. Um they're having trouble getting through to the authorities. They're everything. It's, it's basically an unemployment insurance benefit. It's a redundancy payment or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. Something like okay. that. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to get through to the, the authorities to sort of get those things set up. So of course the fault, the watershed of that is these people are not receiving what they should receive. Uh, taxes were postponed. Um, VAT sort of the uh, value added taxes, right. Mm -hmm. that those who are British will know what VAT is. Mm -hmm. Um, 
uh, value added tax, which would be your sales tax or provincial tax or state tax or whatever those government taxes you guys have that you mm -hmm. add on the sales tax that you guys have. Mm -hmm. It's included in our prices. It's and not like in the States where it's added on afterwards. All those payments have been shifted as well. Um, just because there's no real way of getting it done. You know, there are a lot of people that the, most accountants have had to close their offices and they're doing what they can from home, but they have to work with secure systems that are approved by the state. And so they have only certain kinds of servers and they don't, you know what I'm saying? They have all, and then they may not be able to social distance in the office. So things are really, really, really at a minimum. And they, so that that whole part has been shut down. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've brought forth a bunch of things. They're going to have to bring out more for sure. And, um, our lockdown has been extended. It was supposed to end in two days. It's been extended two weeks, which surprised me because we have over a hundred thousand cases. So there's not a chance that it's going to, and we still have several thousand cases in new yeah. cases a day. Yeah. I see that. I've I've been watching the data yeah. and very carefully and watching the curves. That that my background is in analyzing that sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. so I've really been on top of, you know, what's happening in Italy, what happened with South Korea, which seems to be like the model that we to depend on. And so when we start to see Italy is starting to have at least a downturn slightly in the new cases, but of course the deaths follow that in, in a pattern that comes a little bit later. Yeah. Um, so the worst thing that could happen would be for this to kick up too soon, you know, to like go back to work, go back to normal too yeah. soon, because then you're going to have uh, new cases to pop up in these other areas that Absolutely. have not been hot spots at this point. So that's yeah. what's scary about yeah. all of that. Well, we in really China, don't. that started up again. In China, it started up again, right? They started getting new cases. They started getting an uptick. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I think that really they're just, um, you know, before they announced a month, or it was just under a month, really. But uh, they locked down Lombardy first, and then they locked down the whole country. And, okay. um, yeah. But I think they're doing that more for um, uh, people's mental health <laughs> and just saying, okay, just two more weeks. And it's like the, the personal trainer is trying to get you to do three more squats or two more bungee jumps or whatever it is. It's yeah, like, yeah. Just, you know, and, yeah. and they make you do that. So I think that's kind of the thing. And they're also trying to avoid a lot of conflict, a lot of things, but how is it? It's just not, it's not possible. Anybody who has, you know, two brain cells to rub together knows it's not two weeks. Yeah. Right. So the new date is April 12th. But that's really just for an update. You know, I think they're just, they yeah. can't say you, you have to stay here till June because people are just going to, you know. They're going to go crazy. They're going to go wonky yeah. right away and start yeah. asking all these questions that probably the government isn't even able to answer right now. Because yeah. I always remember that, you know, no matter who you think, what you think of whoever's in power and what you think of politics in general, these are people who are also facing something that that they have, there's no guidebook. There's no, there are very, there are no past references. There's no. nothing to compare. There's nothing. I mean, they have to with this. keep in mind that, you know, this can incite riots. This can, exactly. You know, That's what I'm saying. In lots the South, and lots have, of things that could be happening that would be terrible yes. uh, and move into civil war. I mean, yes. that's, that's yes. the scary part. That's like, 
you're you're teetering yeah. on the edge here. You're having to walk the tight line, tight rope, if you will, uh, to be able to navigate the economic piece of it, the um, medical piece of it, the uh, emotional piece. All of those things have to be taken into consideration. I, I think that 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 that's the same type of approach that's been done here. In the U.S., we've got you know different opinions on what people think of the different leaders and so on and so forth, and a lot of people are still throwing the politics around. But it's really not the time no. to be blaming this and blaming that and so on and so forth. Right now is the time to manage the crisis through the worst of it, get out on the other side, and then figure out you know, people are going to look back and see what happened, learn from it and try to have new policies going forward. But then there's going to be a lot of political infighting and, and all of that going on again. And we know that because we've got our elections coming up in the fall in the U.S. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, do you know people personally who are on the front lines? Um, or do you know anybody like who's elderly, who's having trouble? What kind of like you know, who do you know personally that you can kind of give a, a little bit of a story of what's happening with them? Um, I can't really. It's sort of friends of friends, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my family's not here, right? I, I'm Canadian, so, uh, and I'm divorced, so, like, that whole family has is sort of, you know, not on my radar anymore. Right. Um, it's uh, not really, you know, my son... In Italy is a very very interesting. I don't know if you know this, Sally, but the ambulances are have paid help Monday to Friday day shift and everything. This is all of Italy, right? And I find this amazing. The rest of the every other shift, every holiday, every sporting event, every anytime you see them, they're all volunteers. Really? Yes. And my son was a volunteer first responder, so. Um, and he's now in Paris, so he's not doing it right now, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're working hard and we have to remember that, that underneath all of this, people will fall and break their legs. Somebody will get appendicitis. Somebody is going to be giving birth. Somebody yeah. is, you know, has their chemo treatment to do, right? It's so there's all of that yeah. going on as well, right? Underneath that, that still, you know, needs looking after in some way. Um, yeah. we went on a hike last weekend and, and it was muddy. And I was like, I've got to go slow. If I slip and fall, if I break my ankle, this is like not that, the time. I am not going to the hospital. I'm just going to sit at home. This is not the time. <laughs> and I did kind of slip a little bit. And I was like, you guys need to wait up for me. I know I'm slow back here, but <laughs> I'm sorry. And it was just, it was just yeah, those of yeah. us living in the house and um, people were, you know, kind of swinging out to the side when you would go past someone, but even that I'm starting to hear is, is not going to be good enough and no. that uh, people really need to start to stay, like stay home. And if you're going to go out and do any walking, don't be going to any crowded parks or places where you can't get away from other people. And it's just, I mean, we're so behind you guys on timing regarding that, you know, no. it, but it feels like it's been ages and I'm like sure it does for you. Yeah, yeah. So the schools closed in February. So the schools have been closed for two mm -hmm. months now. And um, 
and those were the first signs. And I was very perplexed as to why they would do three weeks of school closure and not do anything else for the general population who are actually the ones contacting more people. If you think about it, schools, yes, they get their hotbeds. If, if one person gets a cold or the flu, everybody gets the cold or the flu or whatever. They get what's going around. Mm-hmm. But they don't interact with that many people outside of that environment, right? It's, so it's kind of strange. And, and so it just really had a chance to get a foothold. I, I wish they had closed everything down much, much sooner, to be honest. Yeah. But, you know, and, you know, South Korea is, it may be the model, you mentioned that, but they had a completely different system of tracking, of testing, oh, yeah. and tracking contagion that nobody right. in the West, nobody in the West is doing. There yeah. was one small Italian town that did it. There was a town of 3,000 people. They tested them. Mm-hmm. They, tracked, they tracked each person who uh who was contagious and they got rid of it but yeah you know it's hard to do that at scale right i mean is south the, korea also has Vo? different government the name of the town was vo vo or something like that or that was where it started oh that where was, was where the it town started. where they did the 30 i can't remember the name of it i can't it's remember it's near venice though yeah i can't remember where it is yeah and uh so it is possible but you have to be hypervigilant. And in the meantime, they also now have to stay isolated from the rest of the country. Otherwise, there was no point in doing that, right? I, I just feel that, you know, South Korea uh, has, you know, different systems in place mm-hmm. to look after, to sort of monitor this kind of thing. And, and uh, in the West, we consider our freedom, uh, you know, we're a little bit petulant about giving up our freedom, a little bit like children in some ways right but Mm -hmm. you know and you know it's one question of we have national health so that's another godsend um in the midst of all of this nobody's paying for this right i mean nobody's paying for well you're paying for it but not like there are taxes but i mean each person doesn't have to walk in and you know spend you know ten thousand dollars or something or thirty thousand dollars to get themselves looked after um but you know the they, I think they just weren't prepared to do sort of mass testing once mm-hmm. they found the hot spots, and so they didn't. They didn't put that in place, and I really feel that that you know, it just yeah. events have shown that I think that would have that would have helped. But yeah, I I don't think that we're you know that organized. I don't think we were organized to do that. So let's talk a little bit really quick about you know what is your biggest fear, and then I want to go into what are your hopes about what's coming up? I'm not afraid. So I don't know. I don't have fears. I mean, I'm really concerned for like, I'm not afraid that I'm, you know, really looking at countries like India thinking, Oh my God, you know, they, they don't stand a chance. They don't stand a chance. Um, And a friend of mine in Zimbabwe uh, who spent her life working for humanitarian causes and social responsibility and, um, and was had spent more than a decade working on epidemic control of uh, HIV um, is now you know the, there are no there are no ventilators in the country. I think there are like three, three, two or three for a whole country. So they've already had their second victim, and he was well known. He was you know obviously a person that could have you know, but there wasn't a ventilator at his hospital. And so he died because there was no ventilator. So she's uh, pulled together. It's, am- it's amazing. It's like so amazing. Um, she, they created an organization um, because this, she's been practicing, I guess, this for her whole life, right? She's yeah. gathered all of her experience 
and called out to a few people and she has over 400 people like medical engineers and uh, universities and people doing you know all the things so that they can build open source ventilators for the country but so these are these countries i just my heart goes out to them you know my heart goes out to them terribly because we're still really really lucky you know, like no matter ba how bad things are in italy and and you know people are still losing their parents and you know their 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 husband their wife their their parents and some of their kids because you know it does hit younger people so don't think that so there are people in their 20s who have died people in their 30s and 40s so right. it's it's not unknown and um you know i just no matter how much I feel for them, these countries that are, that almost seem defenseless to me, I still, we are still in a position of privilege, you know, strangely enough. Um, you know, I don't know. So, so what I about would, your hopes then? If, if Oh, like my hopes, my hopes. I have so many, like, I feel that there's such a, the whole world has been given a hard stop. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're just supposed to sit here and think about things a little bit here, right? There's a moment for reflection. So I love that companies in Italy who are very traditional, who have never, like we are not a home working country. People have, it's like, no, 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 no. We don't do that. They pay for <laughs> attendance. Yeah. Very old fashioned paying for attendance. Yeah. And now to survive, they've had to, it's like, oh, well, I guess we do need to innovate. So I'm, I think that for like on that level for like sort of structured corporations, that they're going to get rid of stuff they, that people don't need to do. Cause I think there's a lot of like busy thing, work, busy work that they get people to do to justify their, their um, uh, salary. They'll realize that most of it wasn't necessary. They'll mm -hmm. get down to what was necessary. They'll have to open up. It will stay uh, home working because the government has given directions to have to consider home working uh, at least until June. And that was way back in February when they started it, like in March, when the beginning of March, when they started it. Mm -hmm. So that for me is one thing that's super positive. The fact that we've all had to stop buying stuff because stuff, because yeah, the store figure out the lifeboat strategy. Stuff. What do you really need in life? Like, you know, the dollar store and Zara and I mean, I don't want to call out any brands, but you know what I mean? This fast fashion and go always buying something for your house and I'll just treat myself to that. And I'll just, this is constant buying, you know, it's kind of like, Oh my God. I, and I know that people, if they're not getting a salary, yes, they're worse off. But those who are still getting something, I've seen comments where they're saying, oh, my God, I have so much more money because I'm not going out. I'm not ordering takeout. I'm not always going out for dinner. Right. I'm not. Uh, they're saving money on gas. Again, back to the smart working. There's these lines of, com you know, of commuters. You know what it's like in a big city. It's just yeah. crazy. People take two or three hours to get to work. All of that has disappeared. And I hope that it, you know, and it shows that there's a different way forward. I see big, those big office buildings becoming in some way obsolete as people realize that they're better off dispersed rather than gathered. I feel that um, the way we look at now, and this is one thing that I'm really, really big on, I'm really big on uh, because it's been something I've been talking about for a while, but it's finally become current, is that fear-based marketing is the pits. <laughs> And it needs to go away. And the way, because I feel it's basically, it's terrible. It's, it's just terrible when you think about it. Like the, you know, what marketers that you get taught, 
show them their pain points, remind them of their pain points, right. remind them how why they feel terrible, remind them of, you know, and then show them what they really want and then just stick yourself in between and put up like, and with a price tag and everything will be okay. Yeah. And if you were to, if you were to talk to somebody about a relationship and say, and I say this all the time, if I were to come to you and make you feel really badly about yourself and then propose myself as it, and then propose myself as the person to make you feel better, you would tell me that's a very dysfunctional relationship. And you would put an end to it if you were smart. Yeah. But in marketing, for some reason, it seemed like it's, it's, you know, so-called okay, because it does work because people will do things out of fear. People will buy out of fear. They will. Right. Right. People. And, and so there are all these statistics that, that shore up the fact that people do buy through fear, but is that ethical? Is it ethical? That's my question. If you say, oh, I really care about my clients. It's like, I don't know. It's like, if that is a component of your marketing, I doubt that it's, you're not doing the favor. So I've been talking about compassion-based marketing Yeah. and this, and this move to, it's like, it's not that the person doesn't have a problem. It's not your, that you're not there to help them with the solution. But if I see, see, like, I see you, I hear you. And you sort of recognize, you, you sort of see them and hear them and you make them feel like they're, you know, that you, you understand where they are. And mm-hmm. then you say, I, if you want, I can help you with that. The, the words you use, the tone you use, mm-hmm. the, the, the buttons you push are very, very different. And, and I've seen all kinds of people on social media taking down all their, all the people who have online businesses, taking down their marketing efforts, mm-hmm. you know, that was all, everything that was pre-programmed. Why? Because it's out completely out of line with what's going out on of now. Line and out of Which, context. And exactly. But, I turned all of my automations off. I have stopped and I have focused on this. And the crazy part is that I've got more clients now than I can. Exactly. Handle. Because if you stop talking to people about fear, like really, it's just this, you know, and there are still people who are doing it and there are still people who will be successful and there will still people who, who respond to that. But I really feel that we're also being asked to decide who do you want to be? Like you've been like doing, 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 doing. And, and all of a sudden it's like, no, you have to stop. It's like, okay, big reevaluation moment. Who do I want to be? Like, who do I want to be? And how do I want to, um, how do I want to show up in the world? And when people say, oh, they want to make an impact and they care about others. It's like, okay, then treat them better from day one. Mm-hmm. Don't push that button. You don't need to. And I, in, you can become a refuge for your clients. You can become this point of reference that is solid, that is stable, that is uh, welcoming, that is mm-hmm. a, a safe place, right? And yes. that's what people need. But people have always needed that. It's just more evident now. Yes. So that's my little soapbox. Well, I love that. And thank you for saying it. <laughs> and uh, what? tell us a little bit, just real fast about your business and what's happening right now, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. So with my business, this is, this is what I'm helping people to do to shift how they approach their business and, mm-hmm. and their business model. And it's really a question of, it's really beyond branding. It's going much deeper than normal branding would do and really realigning themselves to the essence of themselves, the mm-hmm. essence of their business and the essence of their clients, the hearts of their clients. And I call them heart clients and not ideal clients because I feel an ideal client is sort of this sort of abstract you know, box ticking exercise. And that's not really how we connect with people. 
we connect people yeah. with people heart to heart. So it's the, and this, this big shift brings huge results because I've always done it with my clients. They just didn't know I was doing it. Now I've turned it into a much more obvious process. Yeah. I would just do it for them because I was a consultant. So I would do that work and I would just kind of give them the thing and they would all be happy and go away and make tens of millions of dollars on, on the stuff, which is right. great and lovely and fun. But I'm really now, I really want people who want to be leaders to, to realize that you can build a business you know, you're always going to have, let's say, maybe funnels and automations and digital products and courses. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the structure of things may not change, but it's right. the motor that drives them that's very, very different. And so that's really what I'm working on now. And I'm, you know, I'm doing something in the next couple of weeks to take people through a deeper process of that. I've done one small experience of that, but now I'm turning it into a more expanded version because I really feel that this is... Um, you know, that's the other thing. I think people are now are looking to pivot, but they're looking to pivot with the same language and mentality mm -hmm. that they had before. And it's not going to work. That's another thing I would like to tell people. It's like, yeah. when you're thinking of pivoting, the best thing you can do is take a breath and sort of, you know, think about, give it, give yourself a beat and, and sort of figure out, do you know why you're pivoting and what's behind that pivot. And that pivot, if you come sort of, let's say, from the roots of, of the root of your business and the root of who you are, then that pivot will be sort of much more natural. And it will really just be like pruning off the things that are no longer appropriate and just staying right in that center and that core of what it is you're meant to be delivering and how you're meant to be delivering it. And mm -hmm. that is so much easier than this kind of like almost like hamster-like activity that you, we've seen online. <laughs> That's a good analogy. I definitely feel that. So thank you so much for well, have, uh, coming on and talking uh, with me about what's going on in Italy, what you're seeing in the business world, this heart con heart connection with heart clients. I love that aspect. I do feel like I myself am going through that, that journey as well um, mm -hmm. because this is for the shout your cause um, effort that I started a while ago, but I just never really did a whole lot with it. And so yeah. now that's, this is, this is where this is going. It's not like a moneymaker, but it's, it's like a, it's, I don't know what it's going to become. You know what I mean? It's, it's my moneymaker is my agency, but the, this part is the content and the connection that I have with people around the world and within our communities. It's been a way for me to connect directly with my local communities. I've always been more of a global marketer and, um, and this is giving me a way to talk to my people who I grew up with and who I live around and, and all of that. And, and then also to expand out into the world and hopefully open up some eyeballs and, you know, show some new perspectives of what's happening, um, from all walks of life. Mm. So. Well, yeah. thank you. But you'll see that there might be a way, though, that you'll see that these two roads paths converge at some point. It, I think there's will, an intersection. Point, there's an fine. intersection. Yeah, there is. There's an intersection, and that's yeah. That's something that I teach in Facebook targeting anyway. So that's my. It's probably where that's going. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, and um, I'd love thank to you. get an update later on, maybe uh, if we can do that and see what's see what's going on. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much, right. Sally. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. 
Subscribe to this podcast to hear all our episodes. Go to shoutyourcause.com to our podcast page for information on our guests and notes from this show.